It's the Tiltcast episode 541, Roach Bars. And this week, guys, we talk about Diablo 4's demo weekend, The Last Spell, Madden 23, Ixion, and Spaceborn 2. Stay tuned. You must eat the bugs. And we're back for yet another episode of the Tiltcast. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. There's no Rusty today, but with the two of us, you'll get about 30 minutes of bullshit. Bullshit. Some games, some news. Um, It's an M-rated show. (laughs) It is uh, March 25th at about noon. And uh, Rusty had some really crazy stuff happen, personal stuff. Um, so he'll be back when he can be back. Um, but for right now, me and Jason can hold down the fort. We've got things to talk about for sure today. Um, Jason, have you been up to anything recently? I mean, recently, not, not a, uh, not a ton that that's like non-gaming related. Cause you know, this week has kind of been our, our, uh, as I said on the last show, uh, uh, we had just gotten back from from being gone for a week. So this week was kind of recovery, getting back into the swing of things, me catching up from the uh, from the week off after you know basically the week prior, almost having like crazy weeks of recovering from time off and getting ready for new time off. I got gotcha. you. Uh, so we just kind of, for the most part, we didn't do uh, do a whole lot throughout the week other than, you know, like kids' sports practices started up again. Um, luckily, like the oldest is actually through the school. So, you know, her practice isn't like that bad. I literally just three days of the week, I pick her up from school like at 430 instead of her getting on the bus. Um, and her school's fairly close to where I work. For a second there, um, I was, didn't follow, and I was like, 4.30 in the morning is early. Yeah, no, 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, uh, and then um, uh, the youngest is back in basketball. His practice was like super late, like 7.30 at night on Monday. Um but I mean, it's through the YMCA, you know, you got volunteer coaches, so your practice is kind of open to when they're available. Right. Right. So, um, other than that, not really a whole lot of like a whole lot of crazy, thankfully. Um, as we're recording, the eldest is at her first official track meet. So crystals, you know, like, Outside, sitting on a stadium seat, literally freezing her ass off. Yeah, it is cold today. <laughs> it's warmed up a little bit. I think it's almost 50 outside. Yeah, yeah. But she said that metal's still cold. Granted, she was there at like 9 a.m. this morning, so it was cold when they started. Track meets are long. I forgot, and I did... Uh, um cross country and long distance tracks. So like I was the um uh the like um thousand meter 
uh, track race and like cross country, which is a 5k, right? Um, so I almost never had to, had to be there when, uh, when the track started, like all my events were generally towards the, towards the end of the day. So, you know, I could, I could show up to track meets like an hour late from their official start time and like be fine. Um, but the, uh, but she's a sprinter, so they've kind of had to, to sit around all day cause they weren't exactly sure when the, um, when those events were going to go. So uh, did this they just... being the first weekend. So they've been sitting out there since 9am That kind of sucks. when it was still cold. Yeah. And running clothes aren't warm clothes. So it's like, what do you do? Like take a blanket with you or something until you got to run and then you go hide under a blanket again. Oh no. Like she was wearing, she was wearing sweats and stuff over it. Like, over her running clothes. Gotcha. But, um, you can't run, still you can't run like in snow pants. <laughs> stand, it's still standing around in, you know, like when they started, it was like 38, 39 when they got there. And it's like really dense fog today too. Um, or at least it was up until like 1130. Uh, so that means the air is moist, which makes it even colder. Right. Yeah, we've had quite the uh the rain here the last few days. Yeah, uh, which Lola's, is good. We needed it. Yeah, Lola's been pretty upset about it like for most of I want to say it was the day before yesterday. Like she did not want to go outside. And so I felt really bad uh, the night before last and I saw that the forecast said it was going to clear up by 4 a.m. and if she's a really good dog, like she doesn't wee in the house anymore, right? And she's, I can tell she's struggling and I'm trying to like, you know, I was like, I held an umbrella, took her outside. She ran promptly in sex. It was pouring rain, right? And uh, I woke up at four in the morning before work yesterday because I knew the rain was going to stop for just a little bit. And then I took her outside and I could tell she was relieved. Like she took a big old like fucking horse sized dump outside. Um, so so are you, are you saying your, your pup are not wet? I like mean, she's not going to get wet. Not even a little bit. Like she's a she she's such a pansy. Like if it's wet on her, even her paws, she's like, nah, not doing it. Um, but yeah, she uh, woke up at four in the morning for that little pup yesterday to take her outside, and then ended up just like couldn't go back to sleep. So I was like, shit, I'm just gonna guess I'm just gonna game before work because I'm not signing into work at six in the morning. Um, it's too freaking early cause I know I'm never going to be out of there before five. So, right. Notice my work shit's cooled down a little bit. So I'm not in a crazy rough spot. Like work has been busy, but not as busy. As it has been the last month. Like there was a point and part of the reason we haven't recorded as much lately is Rusty was working a lot. And then like I worked for like 20 days straight without a break. Before I got a day off, and then I got a weekend off last weekend, which were late on posting that episode, but I did record two hours after getting back from out of town. Um, yeah, exactly. And I was like, "You had to be you're out of town." For <laughs> when most of we that recorded, week too. we we were like eighty eighteen hours post me. <laughs> yeah, like, waking up from five hours of sleep after getting 
<laughs> back from town. Like I literally got a five hour nap and then we had to get up and do stuff. So, well, I had the night before that I'd stayed up till two hanging out with my buddy. Um, cause I'd just gotten back, just finished that show and we're hanging out in this big ass Airbnb. And then I have a hard time sleeping in a strange bed anyway. So without an alarm, I woke up at seven in the morning, took a shower, left, got breakfast and was home by like 1145, um, from Dallas. So like I was pretty, my batteries are pretty low on last episode. I think I tried really hard, to keep the energy up, but it was pretty difficult. Um, this week, not so much. Um, in fact, had a lot of things happen this week where I was, I've been shopping for computer upgrades for a while. Um, I've had my, had my eyes on a particular component and the, the component in question is a 4090. Um, been looking to see if the stock was going to drop on that or was going to increase on that for the price to go down. Been looking to see, you know, what Newegg has in stock and what Amazon has in stock. It's typically a, one of a handful of cards. A lot of MSI cards. I'm not an MSI fan anymore because MSI's my last MSI product was pretty trash. My my motherboard, my old PC was pretty unstable would be the best way to put it, right? It just didn't like XMP very much. And so sometimes it worked great and other times it just wouldn't start. Like it was crazy. Um, so the uh, kind of not down with the MSI products at all anymore. Um, been really looking at Gigabyte. So that's typically what I look for is Gigabyte anything now if I'm going to do any kind of upgrade. I got a Gigabyte motherboard a couple months ago. Um, that's been rock solid. I plug It's literally plug and play. Even the BIOS update on it was basically plug and play. Um, like I didn't even really have to do it. Like it has a built-in flash system. So basically you download a file and you don't have to run it or you did have to run it off a thumb drive, but you download it, plug it in the thumb drive. It recognizes the thumb as the install done reboots. And then like a minute later, it's done. The XMP profile like auto detected that it wanted to go to 3,600 megahertz. So it just auto clocked it exactly where I wanted my memory to be. No issues. Um, maybe it helps. I've, you know, I've got some pretty reliable RAM. I've got some Corsair RAM in there right now. But yeah, well, I mean, when it comes to AMD chipsets, I think Gigabyte and uh, and Asus have the best motherboards. Yeah, I, uh, just from just because I've, you know, the last. I mean, we can. I can honestly say this: the last, uh, the last several years since the, um, the whole hubbub of the of NVIDIA's 20 series and Ryzen 5000 and, uh, or Ryzen 3000, uh, and, uh, uh, Intel ninth gen, uh, I've followed a lot of the tech review sites and tech YouTubers a whole lot more than I ever did before. It, it just um, feels like technology is with PC building has like jumped leaked and bounds in the last few years. Because the has. Tw 20 series is like 2017, 2018, right? The 30 series is at the very tail end of 2020. And then the 40 series now is at the tail end of 2022 into 2023. Yeah. Um, and, and that in mind, like consistently with AMD chipsets, Gigabyte and Asus have had the best boards. 
and then you flip that to Intel and it's almost ex- like the best boards are almost always gigabyte or, or, uh, EVGA. Well, and I would have gotten an um, Intel chip, their, but rip their graphics cards, but I wish they'd come back. Maybe they will to get, a- I don't even, if they did an AMD card, I pro that would probably be the AMD card I'd get. <laughs> Yeah, the, with AMD, like to get a comparable i9 to what I got, like would have cost me about $150 more. And there was a sale on that Ryzen 7 that I got. Um, but that thing fucking screams, man. Like I have zero issues with that. And like I said, I literally, it's, it's like I just dropped it on the board, plugged everything in, and it just worked. Like it's so much more reliable than the MSI board I had. I doubled the thread count I had with my GP or with my CPU, right? Um, and it just everything just works. And so I've been a fan of Gigabyte for a while, and that leads me back to what I was talking about. I was like, the 40 series just isn't going down. The 4090s aren't going down anytime soon. Like the 4080s are expected to have a price drop to be more compar- competitive with the Radeon equivalent right now. I think it's the 6800 XT. Um, I could be wrong, but the the greatest, you know, the newest and greatest Radeon card right now is running almost $1,000, right? And then the 4080s are pretty similar in performance with a little bit better ray tracing, and they're $200 more. But the 4090 is like a 50% upgrade to a 4080 for about $500 more. And yeah, it's and a very I mean, significant when you, job. When you involve ray tracing, like just... Um, like regular graphics processing, uh, like the 7950 XT or XTX, um, is, uh, or 7900, whatever it is, uh, runs, runs within shooting distance of a 4090. But the second you try ray tracing, the 4090 still, NVIDIA is still blowing AMD out of the water with ray tracing. AMD still hasn't figured that out. Well, and DLSS 3 is also part of the 40 series right now and hopefully coming to the 30 series. But, like, I've had my eye on the card, right? Like, there's been a handful of... It's just me having the means now that I didn't used to have the means. But I'm still kind of a cheap shopper, right? And so when I was looking at cards, I was going to do the WinForce, uh, the Gigabyte WinForce 4900. 4900 which on Amazon is about 1700 bucks, And it's one of the least expensive ones. The thing is, is with the 4090s, there's a lot of cards right now with coil line. MSI's got some pretty bad coil line. Asus has coil line. Asus Strix has coil line. And when I say coil line, like significant coil line, not just you hearing the fans blow, like an actual annoying noise. And so, like, things I'd look at is I'd look at the card, and then I'd go to YouTube and go, quote, wine, and then part number, right? And watch people up to upload videos on Reddit. And, of course, you take it with a grain of salt because you're talking about a camera microphone, and they've got it really close to the card so you can hear it. And, you know, it's not going to be as loud as it is on your speakers. You, but you also, you also don't know what their case situation is, you know, like how they have their – airflow situation going etc right so you do have to somewhat calculate us all but i mean the review sites have all made um have all pointed some of that out too with a lot of the 4090s 
Yeah, so like the ones with the least quill wine are like the Founders Edition, which is nigh and impossible to find, or the Gigabytes right now have had a lot of good reviews about having very minimal quill wine. It's just the noise of the fan, which I don't care. Um, my computer's yeah, just far it, enough away from me, I'm not hearing it. Yeah, it, it's all about the about the quality of the fan hub, right? So, well, the the Windforce has really good reviews, as in having very low coil wine, and then after watching videos, I can't hardly tell. So that's initially what I was going to get, but then I was like, you know what? There's not a lot of overclocking headroom. Not like I need to, but I'm just feature proofing in my head. Um, I was looking at the Arrow, which is never in stock on Newegg which is a white version. So I've got a Lian Lee Evo case that's white, right? I went with basically a Stormtrooper build. And um, that's the aesthetic I'm kind of going for in my head is just white on white and black with minimal um, RGB. Um, it's got, I've got lights in there on all the fans, right? All my fans are white. I can change the colors of those. They typically sit on white or blue. Um, but anywho... RGB wasn't the biggest thing, but I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have this huge black card that spans like three PCI slots in the middle of my all-white build. And now the arrow is available that I've had on my wish list, and it popped up in my email. It's not available, right? And so we were kind of talking about stuff yesterday um, about graphics card on our private thread. And I started looking, and I was like, it's $50 more expensive than the other one, and it'll match my case. And it has more overclocking headroom, and it's slightly smaller. I think I'm going to get it. And so I sat through it in my cart, and then I waited and slept on it. And then I started thinking about a lot of additional factors, like finding the best deal on it, right? So I was like, where do I get the best deal? Well, thankfully, I've got a Chase card, and Chase does has Newegg as a seller, right? Newegg as a, uh, what do you call it? As like uh, a preferred... As a, preferred as a as a preferred partner store. Yeah. And so with points, well, two things. I get 1.5% cash back on the card, and with points, you get double points in the dollars. So I can get over $300 cash back by using my credit card, which I'll pay off really fast. But I was like, this is the best way to do it. Like, I could do the Amazon credit card, and it'd give me $125 off, but I don't want to open another card. All my cards are paid off, so I was like, I'm just going to throw it on here, and then I'll pay it off on my next paycheck. And so I went ahead and took the plunge. Like, there's other things I took into consideration, right? Like, on the 40 Series card, they have a 12-pin, 600-watt, um, 12-volt connector. Um, they come with an adapter. All of them have to come with some kind of adapter for it, but it's it's four PCI PSU slots, the 8-pin connectors, which is going to jam up your whole PSU, right? Um, or you can get like most of the PSU manufacturers make specific 12 volt rails for you to install in there for these types of cards. So I had to do a lot of searching. Best Buy actually had the Corsair cable I wanted. Plus it's all white. It's uh it's just two eight pin connectors that plug into your PSU to one 12 pin, which is perfect. Um, so I went ahead and snagged that for like 30 bucks, and then I've got a TV. So I, I'm a weird gamer. I have 120 hertz, you know, 4K OLED that I primarily game on, and that's a 65-inch OLED, right? And then I have a 48-inch Samsung 1080p TV that's just been trucking along the last 10 years 
that I use as my secondary monitor for all of my threads, Discord, YouTube, whatever. And it's all conveniently set up in a way that I can play this from the couch or if you ever want to do this at home, I went to home, not Home Depot, but Office Depot. And I found a laptop desk with wheels on it and I got a wireless mouse and a smaller form factor keyboard and it rolls on this and I can sit anywhere in the living room with this setup and control my computer. Um, with the screens being this large, I can sit about 10 feet away and, you know, web browse or play a game or whatever. And the thing is, is that the the uh, the TV needs a, an HDMI connection. And most of the new cards only have a single HDMI 2.1 out. This one is the same. There's only one that doesn't. Or one or two. There's an Asus one, but it had a lot of quill wine, and it also runs about two grand just stock. Um, and it's also a gray card. I, I wanted a white card. Um, so I got a DV, uh, a uh, Display Port to HDMI connector for that TV. But it's you know that TV doesn't have HDR. It runs at 60 hertz. It doesn't need anything super fancy. I just need it to display a picture out of that computer. So to me, that wasn't that big a deal. I spent $10 on a connector at Amazon to to do all that. Now, I get all of that stuff next week. So next week, I'll tell you guys how it works, and I'll throw Cyberpunk at it, right, and just dick with that. I also yeah, got the Witcher. Cyberpunk is still one of the most poorly optimized games out there, especially when ray tracing is <laughs> enabled. Yeah, and watching people run benchmarks on, on Cyberpunk with this card. So without DLSS, people are running it on Ultra Settings. 4K at about 90 FPS, no DLSS, which is nuts. Um, I also probably finish The Witcher um, sometime soon. I have, I can't run it in 4K. This is just me being a whale, I guess. Like, I don't, I want to play shit in 4K. I have a huge 4K TV. That's what I want to, that's the real reason I'm getting it is because I am limited to 1440 and most stuff with the 3080. There are exceptions, right? There's a lot of there's a fair amount of exceptions. Like when I talk about here in a little bit, I was playing the Diablo 4 beta in 4K um, on the 3080, and that was running pretty all right, like 119 FPS. Um, in fact, I turned on frame limiting because I'd heard issues about <laughs> them overheating 3080s, and I think it's just because the frames get out of control. Um, yeah, it's pretty well optimized, but the. Uh, 3080 is a really good card. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's a... I have a lot of life in that. I'm just finding out I'm already a 4K gamer for the most part, and I want to continue to be a 4K gamer. And uh, I want to give myself the headroom to be a 4K gamer, whereas the 3080 is about half and half. I'm about half 1440 on the really demanding games, especially with ray tracing, and then about half 4K. Um, right. Where I'm still primarily, I'm not near the the resolution snob, right? So I'm fine with still gaming at 1080. I'm fine with, you know, and that's why the 2080 has actually served me pretty well. Um, the only thing I wish my 2080 had was more than one HDMI port. But because there are, there are certain things I would like to be able to connect... To my tv to do without the the um display port adapter um to uh 
to stream to my TV, like actually streaming um, 4K video content from my PC to my TV because, as we all know, the native TV apps don't necessarily always give you full 4K resolution. Right. Um, on a lot of the content, but the but the websites will. Um, well, the other thing you have to think about, thing. too, is if you're running to TV audio, you need HDMI. DisplayPort doesn't stream audio. Actually, it does. Oh, uh, it does? Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, as long as, as long as it's, uh, as long as your ports are DisplayPort 1.2 or higher, it supports audio. Well, I don't, I don't have that issue because I'm using my TV as a monitor. Um, right. And I have my speakers right underneath the TV from the, you know, I've got a, I've got two speakers and a sub coming from my PC that are plenty loud. So that's kind of what I use for my audio. It's way better than my TV audio. So you want to know what my PC audio is? What? It is these, a Bluetooth it's speaker? two of these little Bluetooth speakers. Believe it or not, the audio quality out of these is pretty damn good. Um, these, this brand specifically, um, uh, Oontz, it's like O-O-N-T-Z, um, their, their, uh, speakers are optimized, um, like for, for, uh, outdoor use. Um, so the, the base is pretty decent. So like in the small space that I have my PC in, which is my bedroom. Um, out live in the out. Let my PC live in the in the living room anymore. There were too many issues with that and the and the kids. Um, so I don't need a ton of speaker power like like you do since yours is in the living room. And I mean, you you think about back to your dining room. That's a giant cavernous space that could just suck up sound. So if you don't have decent speakers, you can kind of sound like crap. Well, unlike. Me and um, John from uh, Picking Up the Pixels were actually talking about it. At some point this summer, me and him are going to go stereo shopping because he's an audio. He's even more of an audiophile than I am. I mean, he mixes his own music. I'm an audiophile to a degree, but John's next level. So no, like me and him are going to go no. speaker shopping, and I'm going to wire my PC to a stereo receiver. Oh, yeah. I and mean, that's, that's, that's all, actually one that's of the always reasons. the best. It's one like, of the reasons I, I got that gigabyte board is it has like premium connectors for audio that are coming out of it. So yeah. it, like I can hook real stereo cables up to that to get like as the best quality audio I could get out of a almost the best quality without getting a sound card. Well, and also with there being um with there being two two HDMI ports on the on your graphics card. If you get a receiver that supports eARC. Yeah, I could do that, but I, uh, I'm not going to have, you all could my... go in from your PC to the receiver using HDMI and then back out from the receiver to the TV, still have 4k and everything else. I wonder if that caused issues with G sync. If I did that, I'd have to do it. I don't know. I think I'm going to go with the stereo cables to be honest with you. Um, or that I've got an optical out on there too, so I could use that. Um, yeah. But the, uh, but kind of back to what I was saying with the 4090, like the, when I was looking at upgrades too, like a 4080, 
is about a 50% upgrade from the 3080 when in terms of FPS, right? Looking at a lot of different comparison videos, it's usually about yep. 50% more FPS. And sometimes it's actually less than that. Sometimes 30 or 20 or almost dead even. So I was like, man, that's, if I'm going to spend $1,200, I need to get a better upgrade. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go big or go home, which is what I did. Because the 4090, like in just about every test, is double or 2.5 times the power that the 3080 has. And well, so, I mean, it's in, in, a, in a lot of new stuff, the well, 4090 is nearly double the performance of the 3090 Ti. Yeah, it, well, I mean, it's got 24 gigs of RAM versus 10 that I have in my 3080. It has almost, I think I have, I, I don't remember how many CUDA cores, but the one I'm getting has over 16,000 CUDA cores in it. So, like, the the 4080 has around 9,000 and some change. The 4090 has around 16,000 and change, depending on the config. So, like, it's a it's a almost a double jump. So, it's almost twice as powerful or at least 50% more powerful than a 4080. It's very much two to two and a half, sometimes three times more powerful than my 3080, which means I got a lot of headroom and I can do 4K gaming without worrying about shit. Um, I think the biggest gripe I had was I initially wanted to play Darktide in 4K and I can do it without ray tracing. But once I hit ray tracing, I had to really tweak the hell out of it to put it in a playable state because Dark Tide's a pretty fast paced game. So you need it well, running. It's also it. not fully optimized yet, right? Like it's better than it used to I be. I mean, they're like, they're working on it. They've made really good improvements over the last few over the last couple of patches. Yeah, like again, me getting a chipset that has more than ten worker threads that I can dedicate it. I can dedicate twenty one to it at this point, which helps with all the AI shit that's going on in the background helps, but it's a, such a frenetic game. Like right now I can run it at 1440 on medium ray tracing and some medium settings and get about 90 FPS. And at 4K, I can get about 40 FPS tops, which is not optimal in that game. You no, want to, you want to be running, you want to be running 60 FPS. Um, so that was another thing. Like I, want to play a lot more Dark Tide, and I want to quit fiddling with it. I want to, and there's some new games that'll be coming out that'll be really putting it through its paces. But it's basically just because I want it. This is definitely not a need. Um, I'm just in a way better spot than I was two years ago, um, two and a half years ago when I got the 3080. And it just it felt like it was time. Like all the all the things aligned, getting the 4090. It's in the mail, ready to get it. We've got all the things. Should be here like Wednesday or Thursday. And I'll have it built before we do the next show. Although I won't have had a lot of time to do much before the next show. Right. Um, but speaking of new and shiny, um, I dicked around with the Diablo 4 beta last night. Um, yeah, how'd that go? So I want to talk about that a little bit because there's a... Uh, there's a lot different in this Diablo from other Diablos. Um, it is kind of an MMO. I don't know how much of an MMO it is. I know it is tuned to be played by yourself, but also portions of it are, I would assume, are going to be tuned for an MMO. 
I don't know all the definitives on that stuff, right? But there is definitely people in the towns. So like you get to the first big town, like there was all sorts of people in there and it was lag city. Like it was awful. I was playing a necromancer um, and whatever was going on in the net code that day was insane because my skeletons would just like, or like at two frames per second, they'd lag out and then lag back to me about every, you know, two seconds, essentially. I'd just leave them in the dust and they'd lag up to me and then I'd leave them in the dust and lag up to me. And my animations never lagged, but I'd get to an area and I'd load in an interior and then everything else would catch up with me or kick me back like 30 feet. So it's definitely a stress test weekend. It also initially, I threw a picture in our little group about with the picture of it loading up. It's a 45 minute queue time, right? So I loaded in, I got off work about 5.30. So I was a 45 minute queue time, started queuing it up, started cleaning the house, started getting my dinner ready um, and ate and then just waited like another 15 minutes. And then it finally loaded me in and I got through the opening cinematics which are cool as hell. Um, I'm not going to touch on all the controversy around Blizzard right now. Um, I think it's probably pretty valid, to be honest with you. But the quality of the cinematics are pretty next level. Um, there is a lot of uncanny valley with some of the cinematic work they did. Uh, there are a lot of close-ups of people's faces. Like, if you watch them on a video on YouTube, doesn't do it justice, man. Once that's on your rig and running at 4K or whatever you got it and you've got your eyeballs on the screen, there are portions of the cinematics that almost look like a movie. Like, and I'm not, this is not hyperbolic. This is not back when we were watching StarCraft cinematics when we were kids thinking, oh, this is really, really cool. I can't believe the future of gaming is here. This is almost indistinguishable from cinematography. Like, it's crazy how good this stuff is. Uh, um, so, so, you, so you're saying YouTube compression is, is killing the resolution. Yeah. It might say 4k, but there's definitely YouTube compression there. Um, but yeah, like the overall quality of the intro cinematics is really cool. Um, I did not expect the bar to be that high. I did not expect there to be as many cinematics as there are. A lot of major quests as you're being introduced to characters have full cinematics. So Diablo 3, like your intro, every time you hit a huge story beat, there would be a, a cinematic, right? Like there's probably like 15 cinematics in the whole game. I played two hours and I ran into five cinematics, right? Like little one-minute clips that kind of show stuff. And, I, and you know, they'll do stuff with the in-game engine too, but I'm not counting that as a cinematic. Like that happens already with all of the conversations you have that are main story beats. You're clicking on bigger story beats. They have a fully rendered like cutscene, and that's goofy coming from a guy that really despises cutscenes for the most part. But Blizzard has such a high quality on their cutscenes, like it's just a whole nother beast, right? The voice acting, like I haven't run into anything that's not voice acted so far. The voice actor for the main, not your protagonist, but the other person that you're kind of interacting with is exceptionally well done. I was very impressed with the voice acting on it. Like it's, again, it's, you know, they got Blizzard Activision money. It's, high, it's very high quality. Um, sound is really high quality too. Like really exceptionally high quality for a video game. Um, just the little slaps into thing, the meaty noises when you slice through things, like all of those noises are really good. The ambient sound is really good. 
Um, Which is crazy for a top-down, right? Like, yeah, it's it looks about 1.5 times better than like Diablo 3, I would say, in terms of that. But there's a whole lot more lighting sources, I can tell. A lot higher resolutions when it comes to the characters and the environments. The environments seem like they're a lot more detailed than they used to be. Um, it fits the bill for me of like a dark fantasy. Like it definitely has a grittier feel even than Diablo 3. Diablo 3 had a little bit of a lighthearted take on certain areas. Like the first area you start off in Diablo 4 is a icy, very desolate looking, very dark area. And you go down into a, like a crypt of sorts, right? That's really dark and gross and really well rendered. Um, again, really high detail on stuff, like especially for a top down. It looks really good. Um you know, you're not going to get Call of Duty level of graphics from a top-down, right? Like, it is, again, an isometric RPG. You can't tilt the camera any other direction. At least I didn't figure that out or play with that. But for that type of game, it is definitely the creme de la creme. Like, it is the best-looking one of those right now, um, which is as it should be. This game's been in development for, like, 10 years, right? Um, Performance-wise, aside from the netcode stuff, um, it runs really good. Again, running on a 3080, so maybe that's my experience, but there's DLSS options in there. I was showing you, I was running it on balanced. I've run it, I ran it without DLSS, and since I have a 120 hertz display, I like running it at about that, right? So when I turned off DLSS, I dropped down to about 80. So yeah. like a good Speaking of which, did you see all these stories about people running 3080 Ti's and it breaking it unless they limited the frames to 60? Yep. And that was the first thing I did as soon as I logged in as I changed it over to, well, I'm limiting it to 120. But my, it could be the same thing as New World, right? Like New World, when it was in a menu, was running the FPS Unlimited. And so it was going up into like the several hundreds and just baking those cards. And I assume part of this has, you can't change the setting while you're in queue. So I was sitting there watching my thermals when I launched it the first time to make sure nothing was getting out of whack. And as soon as it got me into where I could create a character, I went back and changed the settings and limited the frame rate. Um, just so I run, wouldn't run into that issue. That got mine's limited to like 123. That way I never see a frame tear. Yeah, even with the G-Sync. So, um, but maybe I should... I'm not going to really play it anymore. The So the demo doesn't carry any progress over to the game when it launches this June. And I want to be surprised with the twists and turns of the story. And I don't want to play for like three or four or five hours of stuff I already played a few months back. I want it to feel new, which is why I stopped playing the demo. Or I call it demo, the open beta, because anybody can play it. I haven't pre-purchased it. Um, I also ran into a lot. Like I played it for a lot more than two hours. I have about two hours of game time because I got to like level two or level three and the game crashed. And I got an error code, and when I started looking it up, it was related to the leveling, or at least that's what people were speculating. So I loaded it back up, 45-minute queue again, right? And that was after 20, 30 minutes worth of gameplay, um, and half of that being cinematic. So I was like, damn it. So, you know, I loaded it up again, <laughs> vacuumed the floors, did something useful while I was waiting on it. Um, so then, I've never been able to find this. Uh, what engine are they using? Are they using a new proprietary engine or are they using Unreal 5? I'd imagine it's proprietary. 
it's probably whatever they use for World of Warcraft. They've nice. been using proprietary engines for a long time. It's not Unreal. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe it is Unreal, but I don't think it is. They don't yeah, look like they're reusing. Yeah, I've been trying to find that for days, and I can't. They don't look like they're reusing assets, but, I mean, the feel is very Diablo, right? Like, That's something else I want to talk about, the character creator, right? So I spent a fair amount of time in the character creator. Um, you get to create your own character, and I think in the old Diablos, right, you didn't have very much in the way of character customization. You just picked a class, right, and then ran with it. It could be a, a girl or a guy. I think in three, you could pick between a guy and a gal, right? But this one lets you personalize a lot more. So there's about like 12. So I picked a necromancer, right? And then it let me pick guy or gal. Then it let me pick skin color, right? So like if you want to like make somebody that looks like you, you've got that option. Um, and then it lets you pick hairstyle and then beard style. Of course, beards are always important to me. I'm a beardy guy. Um, I kind of picked uh, somebody who doesn't really look like me at all it's the uh it's the death metal version of me i suppose um that's also super skinny because there's no way i'm getting ever getting that skinny unless i'm a unless i'm in a pow camp um he's a really skinny looking like goth metal dude that i made for my necromancer that seemed pretty fitting but yeah like a lot of beard options a lot of different hair color options hair options i got to customize my character a lot to be the way i wanted him to be right got him some cool ass tattoos um, gave him a little bit of gothy makeup to make kind of finish the metal look, and then you know off I went to the races. And again, I hit another bug where it kicked me out. I have no idea if it was just because I'd entered a new area or things didn't load right, and it kicked me out. And I loaded in for another forty-five minutes. So like in total, right, we're talking like over two hours of loading in and about two hours of gameplay. And this morning, it wasn't that bad. So, like, I showed you this morning, the queue wasn't nearly as long. I think yeah. people are realizing, like, the progress isn't going to carry over. So, people are trying it out to give it a taste, which is exactly what I wanted to do, um, to see if they want to get it. Now, I'm 100% sold. Now, am I 100% sold on all the extra additions? Not really, because I don't know how much Diablo I'm going to play. I played a fair amount of three. Um, there's some kind of like DLC you unlock if you get the $89 version and there's some kind of booster for levels, which I think is shitty at, for $99. It almost feels predatory. So I'm not going to support that. And the base version of the game is $69, which is really expensive. And this is not going to be on a green man sale or a steam sale or anything like that. It's going to be $69 for like three or four years, right? Like there's no getting around it. That's the base price of the game. That's the version of the game I'll probably get. If there's some kind of DLC I can buy later, then if I'm still playing it, then I'll get it. But $69 is a lot for a video game. So that's all, that's all I'm going to do, and I'll probably pre-purchase it a week before it comes out so I can preload it again. But it's 85 yeah. gigs worth of space in my hard drive, so I'm like, eh. Well, by the time it comes out in June, it'll have full DLSS 3.0 support. Yeah, and I probably won't need it, so whatever. <laughs> but... No, but I mean, I mean if you, you can, if you've got a twenty eighty or a thirty series, or if God forbid, well, like a ten series. The problem is the twenty series. I don't think will ever get any of those features. The thirty series is going to get some three features, but not all of them. Uh, like I know Reflex is available on the thirty series. Yeah, uh, that, I already use right that. now. Um. 
and uh, some of the uh, uh, frame rate generation improvement from 3.0 will come to the 30 series, but um, specifically the uh, uh, the frame prediction creation um, will be exclusive to 40 series because the 30 series cores don't support it. It's an AI core thing. Um, but a lot of the other improvements from 3.0 are going to trickle down. It just won't be right as they come out. Uh, 40 series is going to get everything first and then it like trickles. Yeah. The, uh, so that being said, that scratched, I've been having a really hard time figuring out what to play lately. And I've got a handful of games I'm going to talk about. Um, some which scratched an itch, some which did not. But that did. So I think it was it last year that Diablo 2 Resurrected came out. Yeah. So I hadn't played a lot of that. I haven't beaten Diablo 2 since the early 2000s. It's been a really long time since I've played that game. I played it to talk about the differences last year, but never really dug in. Um. So that prompted me about 10 o'clock last night. I was like, I'm going to play Diablo 2, and I'm going to play a different class. I've got a Necromancer. I have no idea what the hell I was doing. That game's old as hell, so it doesn't really give you a good idea as to where you left off and what you need to do next. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to start over. What do I want to try? I don't usually play melee classes that often. I'm going to try a Barbarian. A Barbarian was super OP way back in the day. So I made a, so I made a Barbarian. And getting started, he's kind of a slow start because you basically got an attack. And a punch is like the first thing you get. And then I just got the ability to get the uh, the uh, the two-handed attack that you can get, which will hit like a couple enemies or double attack a single enemy. So I started playing a Barbarian. That game's kind of hard. Um, and I like it a lot. I remember this being in my head, right, my teenage brain, thinking this is the best Diablo. And then when I got to three, I was like, two's still better. Three's pretty good. It looks prettier, but it's still better. Well, two, the remake looks almost as good as three. Um, it just doesn't have some of the quality of life stuff, right? Like, I suppose I could go back and rebind keys, but in your potion pouch, right? Like, it's not a single button you press for your potions. It's a key bind that you press. And for all of your abilities, they're bound to the F keys, which is weird, right? Or you hit S and you pick the ability, or you use your mouse wheel and you scroll to the ability. So, like, your left or right click is, or your left click, your right click is all of your skills, which you got to scroll through, right? Or you got to F key them, which is, is weird. So, I have, like, the leap F keyed, right? I have the, the shout F keyed if I get overwhelmed, and then I have the right bind for the... The, I call it baby whirlwind, right? It's not quite whirlwind, but it's it's getting close. It's the two-handed attack. Right. Um, and then, you know, you hit W to switch weapon sets. So then I've got, like, I call it a tank set. He's got a shield that's got uh, retaliation on it or spikes or thorns or something like that. It does damage and people damage me. And I've got a life leech weapon for his defensive set. Um, But it is easy to get overwhelmed in that game, like the, especially as a barbarian, like definitely chugging potions. And having a blast doing it. Um, game's pretty damn good. <laughs> it's scratching the ARPG itch pretty hard. And I haven't played through it. So I kind of dedicated. That's what I'm doing this weekend. Probably throughout the week. Probably play Diablo 2. 
I don't remember how long it is. Again, 20, 25 years ago is when I played this last to completion. I feel like it's a lot of ARPG, but I've got other things to play too in the meantime. Um, oh, going back to Diablo 4, I was worried that it wouldn't be hard enough. So they have a couple of, you can change the world tier from the get-go. And looking at the tooltip, it says, you know, world tier one is for people new to ARPGs. World tier two is for people experienced with ARPGs. So I selected world tier two. And initially, I was in the, you know, the prologue. I fucking waffle stomped everything. Like it was not even a contest. And I was chatting our other thread with Dave because he was saying, um, saying that they were playing Diablo 4 in his house and that the, uh, it got really hard once you got to the butcher fight. I was like, I'm playing World Tier 2 and everything's fucking easy. Like maybe it's cheat mode because I have four skeletons following me everywhere with my necromancer. Well, I got a little bit further into the game and it actually does get hard. And I am starting to chug potions. And I like that because, you know, I have to worry about my positioning. I have to actually think a little bit strategically. It's not just pure face roll, the whole thing. I want to have a little bit of challenge. It doesn't need to be, like, frustratingly hard. And I don't think, like, if I have to retry a boss a few times, that's not a big deal to me. I want to feel a sense of accomplishment when I get done with something. I want to feel like, I don't want to have, like, you know, initially with two, right, ran into the same issue. I got, like, 40 potions in my bag because... I'm not ever having to use them. Well, in four, I'm having to use them fairly often, right? Um, often enough that sometimes I get low on potions. That's that's a good feeling to me because it feels like I'm actually challenging myself. Um, so in that regard, I think once I get higher in and I get through a first full playthrough in the first month or so of that game being out, out, I feel like it'll be a decent experience. Well, two, two's a little harder <laughs> from the get-go. Um, especially playing as a barbarian. And I think I did that as a challenge to myself, right? Like I can't range everything because I tend to play range characters in those games as witch doctor for three. Um, it's, uh, it's a good game, but speaking of other games, um, I mean, I guess before I jump into that, did you have, you had some completely different genre style games you've been playing this week, right? I did. So, you know, with, um, I'll be honest with still being, uh, exhausted from the trip, you know, recovering from not sleeping in a hotel room. Cause you know, I don't really sleep well in hotel beds. Um, Crystal and I've got gotten too spoiled by our custom mattress and, and stuff Um, and and then just overall just trying to get my sleep schedule back on track and catching up at work whatever i kept trying to play play different games like sunday and monday i was trying to uh trying to play wulong um i bounced uh, hard off that game i'm i'm gonna try it later but it's just not for me right now yeah, and I just kept bouncing off of it, you know, and then I tried going back to some old... I was like, I don't have a ton of brain power right now, so I need to play, like, a an old staple and even, like, playing Slay the Spire or playing Power Watch Simulator or, or even I tried logging in, 
Crystal and I tried logging into Back for Blood one night and just realized like halfway through one mission, and that's why we didn't hit you up, that neither one of us really had the 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 capacity to really really play through it. Um I was just bouncing hard off of everything and then EA tells me, oh, by the way, since you uh, since you pre-ordered the new PGA game, uh, you have you have Madden 23. And I was like, well, eh, I guess it's a free game. Um, I've not played a Madden game in like 20 years. Yeah, same here. <laughs> um, I haven't I played mean, Madden since play, 360. Play, Playing simulated football is pretty mindless, and it's a different mindless than what I've been doing. So um, I don't know. I'll I'll download it, take a look, see how much see how much this has changed in twenty years. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean there there's a lot you can change, and there's not really a whole lot you can change, right? It, so it like, like uh, it like team management simulator nowadays. Uh, it so there are two modes like you can you can basically be the be the team manager you know everything from uh uh from hiring firing coaches coaching staff you know the drafting players free agency etc uh you can be the franchise manager um how does that and still you know obviously play play games controlling the players right that lets you control the whole team um or you can and this is what the way i've done been doing it is you can you can actually create a play a specific player in a specific position um and uh basically play only that player to quote become the face of the franchise right and they they kind of put like a generic story to it um uh like uh you're actually getting select the contract you're interacting with your agents you're interacting with team etc um and that part of it okay it's you know somewhat a little entertaining it's not like some great epic story or anything i'm not gonna try to pass it off as that actually it's pretty freaking horrible but the fact that they've tried to storyline that's weird the game having is, a, is kind of weird that is really weird it's like rpg um, elements in a sports game right and you know all the things look good like the the graphics are console level graphics right i'm not you can't really pump it up to like like uh, PC games that are ported to a console, right? You can't really push it. Um, but it still looks good. Um, uh, active weather situations have gotten a hell of a lot better in these games, apparently. Because um, it really does affect like your ability to, if you're playing quarterback, your ability to throw the ball. Um, you know, if it's raining, um uh, the chances for your receivers to drop passes or for your for your running back to slip on a route, etc. So those type of mechanics have definitely gotten 
um, more towards real world simulation versus just uh, uh, just to change the look of the game like it was 20 years ago, right? Right. Um, environmental effects actually happen. Uh, the one the one thing they've never addressed, and I don't think they will ever address because they don't want to, uh, uh, because these are primarily console games. That's the way they're sold. That's the way they develop them. Um, so you still have fairly like generic, almost poster board uh, uh, crowds uh, in the background, right? Um, <laughs> right. That's that's not like getting super detailed or super high res or anything. Uh, which I think is kind of a disappointment. I think if you're going to have it on a PC that can push harder than consoles, um, you should be able to show off the crowd a little bit more, I would think. Um, but, you know, it's all right. I mean, it it gave me a few hours of entertainment uh, over some evenings. Uh, uh, basically played through a season in like three evenings, but... What team are you using? Um, so I ended up. So you, this is much more real world simulation versus uh, versus Madden's of the past. So I can't like just create a player and insert it on whatever team I want, like the Cowboys or the Chiefs or something. You know, something more regional to us. Um, I ended up the best contract I I got offered for my player was was from the Minnesota Vikings. So, been playing the Vikings. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of that's a whole lot more actual, real world semi than um, than I think Madden has been in years past. But I think these are all features that have been um, introduced over like the last four years. Right. Right. So I'm kind of seeing them after they've probably gone through some growing pains. Um, but everything, everything seems to work really well. I I'll say this. There's one thing that these games have over, um, over some of the more, uh, niche games like you, Rusty and I play. And that is they come out extremely optimized, right? They got to play on everything. Right. It's not gonna, it's not gonna break anything. Um, Though I do have the resolutions for like the player and the field, the players, the field and the weather up high enough that um, my 20, even my 2080 can, can turn into a little bit of a heater for this immediate space. I have to have a fan pointed at me. Um, uh, but it's, it, it it's been mindlessly enjoyable. I'm not like super invested in it. I could drop and go to another game at, at any point, but it's just been that turn my brain off, pick up a controller and just do something. Right. Um, that I needed. I wouldn't care that it was football. I would have much preferred the new PGA game for that. Um, just if I'm, doing it to look at pretty environments um, and just mindlessly do do something. Uh, plus, I really enjoy golf, but um, in the real world. Um, but the uh, uh, but it's it's fit the bill for now, especially since that's not out for a couple weeks. 
Um, and then uh, I played a little. I played a uh, like three hours of Valheim. I'm not that deep into it yet, um, but I mean, it the game previews in in Game Pass, so I'm messing around a little bit with that just to see if it's uh, if it's something I really want to try to dive into right now or not. Well, the thing with Valheim is it's, and I'm realizing this about myself, I play a lot of roguelike games, and roguelike games don't have a definitive endpoint unless you say so. And so on run-based games, you get stuck in a trap of playing like having five runs going in five different games at all times and never having a sense of beat something. So Valheim's kind of the same way, right? Like I've played a few runs of that game, and decided I'm waiting more or less for the full release before I play more. Um, I've got a good feel for what's in the game right now, and what's in there is really good. But that's been happening to me a lot. Like we talked, I talked at length a lot about Dead Cells last week because it's a run-based game, and I kind of beat the hell out of it. Um, and so I backburnered it, right? Like I've got, I've got what I wanted out of the <laughs> the seven dollars I paid for the Castlevania DLC. I got another twenty-five hours out of that which is a lot of gameplay for 2D Metroidvania, right? Um, I have Last Spell, which I've been playing off and on lately, which is the tower defense slash Final Fantasy Tactics style game um, that just released last week. So I've unlocked quite a bit in that, but I, I tabled it for the moment because I wanted to play something different. I've been playing a lot of roguelikes. That's the only thing I have against it. Is it a good one of those? Yes, it's excellent. Last Spell is an easy four and a quarter out of five uh, game for me. Like It may end up on my list later this year. So Steam Spring Sale was happening. There's a game I've been looking at for a while that I haven't really touched. Um, it's basically like Frostpunk in space. It's called Ixion. And what Ixion is, is essentially that, Frostpunk in space. Is it as good as Frostpunk? No. But I've gotten a lot better at it after I've failed a few runs. Um, you're basically a space station that is uh, the goal, the way the story works is um, we're going to colonize places outside of Earth, right? And we're testing light drive capabilities with this new station that's going to have people on it, and it's meant to be self-sustaining, and we're going to send it to the farthest reaches of space, right? Well, shit happens. The whole universe gets, the whole known universe for humans gets fucked up, and you guys end up being the last humans, um, period, on this space station. And so, kind of spend the first part of the game getting through our solar system and getting the resources you need to jump to other solar systems. And it seems like it's on a set path. Like every single time I've never gotten past the second system, but every time I get to the second system, it's always the same though. The layout's a little bit different every time, as far as like where things are at, you send out probes. So like in Frostpunk, you'd send out an expedition to get resources or more people or whatever. You send out probes to find resources, and you got mining and cargo ships that bring those resources back to you. So the space minigame part of this is managing all of those resources and where they're at. And the population simulator part of it is managing all those resources. You need a shitload of iron for or steel for everything. 
So a lot of it is finding a good steel source. It's kind of the same thing as the engine in Frostpunk that's keeping everybody alive with the heat. Well, you're constantly losing hull points on your space station. Every time you jump, it knocks a whole huge chunk of hull points off of it. And from being out in space for one reason or another, you're losing hull points. So you always have to have a steady supply of steel, which you make in your, you know, from iron inside your space station. And that's the fuel source. You also have to feed your people. So you get very, uh, for lack of a better term, like, uh, I'm not going to use that term. Basically, you're feeding your people insects to start because that's the most sustainable resource, right? You got to feed the people the bugs. Feed the people the bugs. So, 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 so you're feeding them the roaches. Yes, um, and then you got to find a water source to have crops, which means you got to mine ice. So if you can find ice, then you can get crops. Um, but every sector inside of the space station has a limited amount of spaces. And so you need to consistently upgrade the things you have, dismantle them and, and make them better so you can be more efficient in that sector. And every time you open a sector, it causes you to lose more hole points and you have to find a way to make sure your people are happy. So much like Frostpunk, there are preset things that happen, right? That you got to keep your people happy as you go. Um, if riots happen because the people are like jam packed or they don't have enough food or you're not going after the uh, objectives that they want you to, then they start to get upset. Eventually they riot and eventually they throw your guy in a capsule out into space and you get spaced if you piss them off too much. And there's all sorts of research modifiers that you use to get there. I'm not going to go into the minutia of how all that stuff works. Just if you've played Frostpunk, that's just Frostpunk in space. Again, is it as good as Frostpunk? No, because it's not as well balanced. But as far as like colony sims go, I like a colony system where this and uh, I think it was called From the Storm. What was the name of that game? There was a game that ended up on our game of the year list last year. Um, I'm going to find it now. Oh. Um, Against the Storm, I think is what it was called. Yes. Against the Storm, Frostpunk, and this are the best at having a little bit of an RP mechanic and a survival mechanic along with an objective for your city building. So it's not just like city city skylines, right? It's not just Against the Storm, yeah. It's not like a city skylines type of game. And so because of that, um, it just gives you a little bit of uniqueness and different flavor to how you play that game. It's got events just like Frostpunk does. It's just a completely different setting and different balancing of mechanics to do essentially the same thing as Frostpunk. And it's in space. And I love space. It also looks really good, too. It's a, it's a pretty darn good looking game. Um, if you like building survival games, like Frostpunk is an easy yes. Um, and they are working on Frostpunk, too. Um, that's one of my favorite city building games of all time, to be honest with you. I love Frostpunk. I've beat it a few times. It's a pretty hard game. Um, but I really like Frostpunk and this kind of scratches that Frostpunk itch. Um, it is initially harder than Frostpunk cause it's not as well tuned. You, you, you got to fail a few times to start to get the idea of how it works. And I don't think it's as replayable. Like Frostpunk does a thing where it's gives you a little bit of a randomized layout. This doesn't, um, like I said, the solar system seems to be about the same. Um, and where things are at is about the same. It's just you failing a few times to get the idea of how the game works before you get to more, be more successful. But looking at the reviews and seeing people's playtimes, like it looks like it's probably about a 
70 to 80 hour run, which is a, a way more time than is necessary. I think that's that's a very easy ask for a game that runs $30 full price and on a Steam sale runs about 25. Um I think it's well worth it. Um so that was Ixion. Nice. Um a game that I put down is Phantom Brigade. So Phantom Brigade is like XCOM. I talked about it a few weeks back. It's kind of like XCOM in that it's a turn-based combat game. You've got mechs that you can customize, very customizable, like all the different systems as far as like the mechanics of the game and how you customize the things is extremely – like you, you basically break off pieces of other robots and then you build your robots with that stuff. Um, I got it on launch sale for like $15 and was hoping for something to scratch the XCOM itch. It does this real-time thing where you plot out all your movements for five seconds and then let the simulation run. Um, all the bones in that game are really good. It does not have enough content. There's like three different mission types. There's basically like go kill the thing, go capture the waypoint, um, go defend this thing. It's got randomized missions, but they feel super bare bones. The objective is almost non-existent in the game. It's just like capture this point in the middle of the territory. I've never gotten to, I've put a decent amount of time into it. In fact, it's put, I've put 18 hours into the game and I feel like I'm still trying to figure out what the objective is for the territory that I'm in. It's just not well tutorialized in what you're supposed to be doing. So I'm building up my mechs. And then at a certain point, I was just like, I'm not having a lot of fun with this. The combat's great, yes, but I don't have a lot of objective as to what I'm supposed to do. And XCOM is always a good push-pull on what you need to be doing next and what you need to prioritize. And the strategy layer on that game is just so much better than everything else I've played in that genre. This doesn't even come close to XCOM. Like, like I said, the core mechanics are super cool. The core gameplay is super cool. But because of the lack of variety in enemies and mission types and objectives, like it's a three and a half right like it's a half game it's it's one side is extremely well tuned the other side is to like what i'm working towards is extremely not it's just not finished maybe it's finished from the you know it's obviously finished from the dev perspective cuz it's been in early access for a year but it's just not ready to go and so i just uninstalled it and threw it in a play later folder so that you know hopefully i'll get a uh, an update that says we updated all the content now this game's actually really good because it's not right now. Um, I've got two more games to talk about, and then I'll be done for right now. Um, I was looking for RPG stuff, and I've had a game on my wish list for about six months called Lost Eidolons. And it is essentially um, Final Fantasy Tactics in a more Western RPG setting. So it's what I mean by that is it's like knights and archers and mages. Um very non-Japanesey. Um, their abilities are a little bit basic. The combat is a little bit basic. The graphics are pretty modern. It looks like a, especially the close-ups of the characters, look like it's a game that came out like four or five years ago. And that's what I mean by modern because strategy games are always all over the place when it comes to their graphics. Um, not a Final Fantasy setting. Like the cinematics were like, basically Plague Tale, the first one. Um, it's a small indie team. 
think they're called deep right. dive. I think they're called deep dive studios. But the core gameplay is pretty good. Uh, the core story has surprised me a couple of times. The voice acting is a, is above mediocre, but still kind of mediocre. But the even though things are a little bit simple, the core mechanics are pretty good. The bones are pretty good. The story and motivation is pretty good. The layouts and the siege of cities is pretty good. Like when you're fighting, you see all the soldiers around you fighting, which is pretty neat. While you're positioning your guys, you don't see all the other soldiers. But once you like attack, there's always a cinematic action, kind of like they did sometimes with XCOM. Um, and then you see all the soldiers fighting around you when you do the the execute the action. Um, it's a pretty good game. It's it's if I had to say. The pacing is the same as Tactics Ogre. It's not as good as Tactics Ogre. Almost nothing is. But it's talk to a bunch of people, set up things, set up your manage your inventory, talk to a few people, and then go to next fight. And the talking portion is usually about 10 or 15 minutes, and the fight portion is about 30 to 45 minutes. So it's a good split. It's not triangle strategy where... 85% of it is talking to NPCs you don't give a shit about. Um, it's more like Tactics Ogre, where the characters are a little bit more interesting, but the core gameplay loop is still the center focus of the game. Whereas, that's my problem with Triangle Strategy. I actually uninstalled that. So, Lost Eidolons. Um, how much time do I got in that game? I think it's about a 40-hour game. I'm 10 hours into it. Been playing it off and on this last week. I uh, got it last weekend. Um, pretty good game. The uh, Been itching for a space sim. So I'll start off this story with I did two different games. Um, I got – so Starpoint Gemini had a sale, and I wasn't paying attention. I was really tired. I was looking for a space game, and I really wanted to play a safe space game. And I could get everything that I didn't have, at least what's what I thought, um, for $10. So I bought it. So it's like I'm going to play some – Starpoint Gemini again. I haven't played this in like five or six years. I'm going to do that. Well, I found out I got Starpoint Gemini 3, which is an atrocious wow. game. It is hor. It's so Starpoint Gemini is a RPG where you play capital ships, and it's pretty good. Two is a pretty solid game. A little bit janky, still a pretty good game. It needs a little bit of help with the UI if you're playing at 4K. You probably shouldn't play it at 4K because you can't read anything. Um, very much 1080p or 1440. Um, but it added like the anniversary portrait bullshit to my game, plus gave me Starpoint Gemini 3. Played an hour or three. Everything about that game is bad. The graphics look dated to like 2010. Um, the voice acting is not even mediocre. It's just straight bad. The voice, the acting itself is straight bad. The combat is not that great. Essentially, you auto-follow things and use your mouse to uh, just kind of pew-pew at the screen. There's little to no challenge to it. Um, there's this whole, like, stealth hacking section you get into with derelict ships. You go in a ship, you launch a probe that's sentient somehow and has really awful jokes, along with your character who has really awful jokes and really stupid motivations. Um, and then go around the derelict going to checkpoints and clicking F1 to hack, then using your really rudimentary blaster on your drone to destroy the drones in the next room, to go blast boxes that take three or four hits to open, with everything looking like it's on Unreal 3 with no texture filtering or anything. It just looks bad. It's just a super generic-looking game. 
It's so half-baked. Like, it's a two out of five. I played, so I played more than an hour. I played an hour and a half, and I was like, shit, if I play any more of this, I can't remove this from my library. And I really should be playing games that are way better. So I played an hour and a half the next the next day after work, and I'm sitting here wanting to play something good, and it's not there. I fucking refunded that thing. Like, I refunded that whole package. It, it's bad. It's, like, exceptionally poorly made. Um, and it is not the Space Fighter game that you want to play. Like, Starpoint Gemini 3 is awful. It, it just I mean... it, it feels super half-assed. Um, Starpoint Gemini looks, like, twice as good, and it's an older game. And... Three is like 32 gigs. I have no idea how this game is 32 gigs. But it's it's horrible. Um, I don't even understand how this made it past QA or made it to a point where they're going to sell it. It's like they got halfway done, said this is shovelware, and they sold it. And I think it originally retailed for like 35 or 40 bucks. It was eight ninety nine of my Starpoint Gemini purchase. And I refunded that very promptly afterwards. I was like, I'm not going to play this. This is trash. Um it's a very bad game. Contrast that with this weird indie game. So there's a uh, there's a YouTuber that I follow that does uh, did Elite Dangerous content. I've been jonesing for Elite Dangerous for so long, and I wish that game wasn't so fucked up, right? I used to enjoy the hell out of Elite Dangerous. That was the perfect podcast game. And it is the game that I could play literally at any point. I could sit down and be like, I'm going to spend two or three hours tonight playing Elite. That's what I'm doing tonight. I'm going to have a good time doing it. It's very relaxing for me. Do a little space combat, some mining, go chase a Thargoid, whatever. And of course, you know, the optimization and everything they've done with it in the last couple of years has sucked. So I uninstalled it. Looking for a space game. Well... Uh, I can't remember. Something Astronomy is a guy that does a lot of elite con- dangerous content. And a video popped up for of him trying out a game that his community was recommending to him. And the game that they recommended to him is called Spaceborn 2. Spaceborn 2 is nearly an alpha access. What it is is a single guy with a little bit of help from a programmer that is making like a space odyssey game. And what the game is, is it's... Like third-person combat, like Gears of War, mixed with spaceship combat, mixed with a space sim. And although all the voice acting is done with AI, it's okay. It's not great. It's done with a, it's okay. It has a gigantic universe, um, and the graphics are on par, are a step down from like Everspace, but pretty close to Everspace. Um, some of the systems work in a really weird way. Like, it took me a while to make sense of how everything kind of works. But the ship combat, even with a mouse and keyboard, is good. The ground-based combat with characters is pretty good. Um, And the flight, the navigation, the power management is all very good. It reminded me of, like, a better version of Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. I played a hair of that just to kind of get a feel for what that is that still installed on my hard drive in my Epic account, right? It's like, what was this like? Oh, yeah, it's kind of like Wing Commander Privateer where you have, like, power management. You can move, you know, power to shields, move power to weapons, move power to engines or whatever. It has that with this game. And, like, very early on in the game, right, you start off with a spaceship, you fly out to the universe, you go to the space station, it tells you to go to this planet, find this 
person to kind of unlock further details of your story for your character. And then you get into atmospheric combat. You get into your ship. You start chasing down this guy that you found at this site. And he's on this big cargo ship. And you got to destroy all these fighters around the ship. And then it tells you to eject your ship. And I was like, eject? I'm in the middle of the atmosphere. So I eject. And I've got a jetpack. And then I land in the ship while it's in the middle of the atmosphere. And start fighting drones. And start, like, jumping down the length of this ship in my spacesuit, essentially. And then go in and, like, you, it tells you to blow up the gas canister to, like, explode the ship. Which I did. And then you fly back to your ship while you're in the atmosphere. And get in your ship. And then fly away this whole time. There's a whole section where I'm assaulting this base. It says you need to get in there to get, like, this uh, thing for your dead matter. It's an objective, right? You got you to gotta do it on foot. You can't do it from your, space, from your spaceship. So you take your ship. You don't even land anywhere. You just eject, jetpack out to the like platform on this space on this space dock, and you just start shooting fools, and it's pretty good. Like it's pretty fucking cool. Like the graphics are pretty decent. Like it looks like a game. Uh, I'd say it's like a step down, set from Everspace. Like the character models look like a step down from Mass Effect Andromeda. So like just somewhere between Mass Effect Three and Mass Effect Andromeda. Particles look good. The faces look good. There's one thing that doesn't look good. Planet surfaces look like fucking potatoes. Like, he obviously needs to work on some of the textures with shit. But the core gameplay loop is basically Star Citizen. It's just not Star Citizen, and it doesn't cost you thousands of dollars to buy a ship. It's $19.99. <laughs> um, and then on the Steam sale, it was $14.99. Um, it's really cool. And it started trending on Steam because of What's-His-Face Astronomy that used to do Elite Dangerous. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of people playing this game. Is it ready yet? No. But I wanted to test it out to see if this could be a thing that I'm going to like way later. And it did scratch all the itches really well. It just... It needs, like... I feel like there's a little bit of issues with pathing on NPCs. It needs a little bit of work when it comes to, like, planet textures are pretty bad. Like, it, it feels like there's no texture on them almost. Like, they're, they're super plain, like zero detail on the planet textures. Um, and that needs some work. So, like, presentation is like 80% there, but it's not quite there. If he gets more money, I hope he gets voice actors. I think the AI voice actors he's using right now is not bad, but it's not great. It's what really makes it feel super indie. Um. But the core loop of everything is super tight. Like all the background systems, the way the ship flies, the way that you can swap out all the different components in your ship, right? So you have the right power supply for your ship, swap out all these different weapons. You can chain weapons together. You can you have to buy your missiles. You have to refill your ordnance after every time you use them. You can add whatever missile types work with the launcher that you got. Um, as you're like fighting, like the different weapons pop out of different portal, you know, ports in your in your ship, which looks really neat. The ships look, the designers look really cool. Um, there's all sorts of like random roll loot for all of your weapons. Um, even when it comes to ship components too. Um, those are rewards. You you do missions for different guilds to like up your amount of money that you have. But, like, everything's hot swappable on your ship. Like, you can just swap it out for all sorts of different parts as long as you have the right power supply for it and it fits your frame. 
So you can kind of play the Pokemon thing that you do in Mech Warrior with it, but then you're in active space combat. And I feel like when this game is finished, this game is going to really upset a lot of the space flight sim world. Like it's got a lot of really good ideas and it executes those ideas pretty well. Um, so yeah, Spaceborne 2. Nice. Recommend to support if you're into really early access, everything works, but be prepared for a few potato moments. Um, but like in general, it's a pretty cool game. It just, it needs, it does need more time in the oven. It's kind of like pulling out like a pie, right? A chocolate pie out of the oven right before it's ready. And it's a little bit more mushy than you want it, right? It it just, it just needs a little bit more time in the oven. Or you pull out like ribs out of the barbecue. Like it's, it's good to eat, but it would be better to eat if it was a little bit softer and falling off the bone. Um, It's neat. I would say at the very least, least wish list it and follow it until it releases. Spaceborne 2 is going to – I'm super excited for what he does with this. Um, I also played a little bit of Dark Tide. There's some things that have changed, but I don't really want to talk about it right now. I'll probably play that while I'm testing out the new card. Um, but yeah, see? That's a hell of a lot of content. I gave you guys uh, oh, yeah. lots of things to think about, wonder about um, as far as what to play, etc. Um but yeah, this weekend we'll be playing Diablo 2. <laughs> Have all those things. That's when we'll play is Diablo 2. Or Dark Tide if you guys decide you want to play that. Don't blame you. Uh, all right. Well, sure. I think it's time for break. That's kind of what I was thinking. We'll be back, guys. back Woo. so um i know we talked at length about the games we've been playing mostly me having add and playing a crazy amount of just games in general we kind of want to talk about things that are happening right now um one of the things i wanted to talk about is that back late last year cd project announced that they're continuing the witcher project right um apparently there was another project so it's like three separate games they were talking about so game one witcher four right that's the primary one they're working on um nothing wrong with that everything seems to be going okay with that game two was the wicker witcher one remake 100 percent agree that's in a space where it needs a remake because it's kind of unplayable today and I'll be honest with you, if they get rid of the uh, bar winch trading cards, I, I won't cry too much because that was pretty cringy. Um, also, it really needs a graphical update. Um, I loaded um, some like playthroughs on YouTube of people playing The Witcher 1 just to see how it's aged. Boy, howdy, does that look old. <laughs> it looks very dated. And the combat was super dated. So I really hope they fix that. But they had another project called Project Sirius which is one of the uh, projects that's being done right now. It's being co-headed by a Boston studio um, called Canis Majoris. It's supposedly a multiplayer game set in the Witcher universe with some single-player elements. I don't know how that works because just about every multiplayer game I have, I don't have an opportunity to play with somebody. 
So to me, that might be frustrating. Maybe they surprised me and it's got some asymmetrical multiplayer stuff or it's like Dark Tide where everybody's encouraged to work together, so it's not a big deal. Um, but apparently they uh, started pretty strong and then by December or January, they decided to refocus the entire thing and reboot the entire project. So it's rumored that CD Projekt has written off a lot of money from the initial launch of that project to start over. They froze hiring on their page. They froze a lot of things with that project. So um, quotes by the studio are essentially saying that they, whatever it ends up being, won't be out until after whatever Witcher 4 is. And with the way game dev time is on large-scale games, I bet we don't see anything on this till like 2026 or something crazy like that. So I guess we'll just see what that ends up being. It's a long ways off, though. Um, I'm not necessarily as excited for this one either. Um, if they write it off, then never do it. That's not going to hurt my feelings. I don't really see the purpose for a multiplayer Witcher at all. Um, gotcha. What are some of the things that you have? Oh, um, fairly, fairly, fairly big thing. Um, EA announced officially that uh, they will be delisting some of those, their most popular multiplayer games, uh, Battlefield 1943 and Bad Company 1 and 2 from their digital storefronts on April 28th. and their online services will be shut down on December 8th. So these are, I mean, there are a lot of players still for Bad Company 1 and 2. Those are some of the best uh, Battlefield multiplayer experiences uh, with the destructible environments, etc. And it just sucks that uh, even though they still have several hundred thousand players, uh, in the in these games on a regular basis, that uh, EA would still choose to delist them and pull down the online services without uh without any kind of a a recourse. It's not like the uh going out there and saying, "Hey, you guys own this game. If you want to, if you want to, you know, host your own servers, etc. Here's the tools to do that." Right. Right. They're not doing that. They're just taking that functionality away when that is the game. Um, just not a cool move. Um, along with those, uh, 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 will also be. There was one other game, but now. Now I can't find it. Oh, no, it just mentions uh, uh, Mirror's Edge was also shut down earlier this year back in January. It's a pretty old game, though. Yeah. I mean, wasn't that originally on 360? So it's Bad Company 1 and 2, but... Bad Company. I do like Bad Company 2. They still have a lot of online players. That's the biggest thing here. Mirror's Edge kind of made sense because there weren't there weren't hundreds of thousands of online players still, you know. 
Um, set, and there's not really been another battlefield with a multiplayer experience similar to those. Um, not with the destructible environments and everything. Um, and a, kind of along the same, uh, kind of along similar lines with players not being able to uh, to load the game any longer. Um, the most recent dup- update for Halo Infinite um, has apparently made it nigh impossible um, for any video card running less than four gigabytes of VRAM to even load the game. That's weird. Now, now M4, N343's uh, defense, um, they listed four gigabytes of RAM as the minimum requirement for Halo Infinite from the very beginning. Um, however, on low settings, um, uh, plenty of people were playing multiplayer um, just fine with uh, with some of the three gigabyte um, uh, ten series uh, cards. That'd be the the uh, GTX ten fifty and GTX ten sixty, respectively, as those were the the only two models with three gigabytes RAM. Um, uh, but apparently now this new patch, since this new patch has been released, um, people can't even load the game. Whereas they were loading the game before struggle busing until they could get the settings down low enough for it to run smoothly. Right. <laughs> and, and then going, um, they just, they can't load it at all now. No. Oh. So if you're running into that, you know who you are. Um, uh, just keep in mind that there was never a reasonable ex- uh, expectation that your cards would have even run the game in the first place. Something else that's interesting is uh, Resident Evil 4 seems to be doing really well, the remake. Um so I just looked to see how many people are playing it right now, and there's currently 118,000 people playing that. And that's not even at its peak. So it it peaked at 132,000 people last night. Resident Evil Village, the one that came out, the last proper release, actually only had an all-time player peak of 106,000 people. I'm actually a fan of Resident Evil 4. I don't know if I'm playing it quite yet, right? I, I need to get in a certain mindset. I'm really set on ARPG right now. But um, that's pretty impressive. There's a lot of things that I know with the combat and the way things are set up that the remake changed things. Um, there's quite a few people that are looking forward to playing this one. In my mind, it was the most revolutionary Rev- Resident Evil game to date because right before that was 3 and Nemesis, right? Which is kind of a chase game. This was an over-the-shoulder kind of an action horror game where you're facing big hordes of like semi-mutated villagers, etc. right? Um, and having to manage huge crowds of enemies. Um, it was a very much an action-packed game. Um, it's not quite, in some ways it's darker than other games, in other ways it's not, right? Like you're in a weird small village in Spain. Um, everything's super fucked up. But it's currently the best doing Resident Evil game, period, on Steam. And it's 
for the remake because well, let's face it, that was one of the best ones. Um, I know two came out. Two is like the third best. So so far before this, it was Village and then two that were doing the best on Steam. Period. Now it's four, Village, and now two. Um, typically for the older ones, you can get those on a pretty good sale for around ten bucks if you're interested, right? Like. When I get in the mood to play Resident Evil, I'm probably going to start back at the 2 remake and finish that, and then maybe I'll go through 4. I don't know. You can play them out of order, especially if you've played them before. Right. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, some pretty interesting stats for the new Resident Evil. I, again, having interest right now, and this being a very small team of people, that wasn't the thing that I really wanted to jump into. <laughs> so Absolutely. Um, well, yeah. Also, another news, uh, just there was an update um, out of the UK this week regarding the Microsoft Activision uh, merger. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, the CMA, which is the controlling body, um, their chair, the chairman of the investigating panel um, released some comments uh, this week um, saying that their provisional findings uh, regarding uh regarding the the merger having cons to quote having considered the additional evidence provided we have now provisionally concluded that the merger will not result in a substantial lessening of competition in console gaming services because the cost to microsoft of withholding call of duty from playstation would outweigh any gains from taking such action our provisional view is that this deal raises concerns in the cloud gaming market is not affected by today's announcement. Our inv investigation remains on course for completion by the end of April. So that means so maybe it's basically, not basically there still seem to be some, some concerns around how much of the market game pass is soaking up. Right. But Sony making a big stink of it around Call of Duty. They're saying, yeah, no, you got no real fight there. Um, which is interesting and could actually affect the decisions of, of the EU and the U.S.'s uh, investigating bodies as well. Because I have a feeling, you know, it... If one of these comes out approving it, the others are just going to follow suit. Well, something else that's pretty big news, um, just kind of ironic because I was the last week when you couldn't make it to game night, Jason, I was helping John figure out Elden Ring. So he was playing it on his PS5. Um, there's a big announcement with Elden Ring announcing ray tracing support. Currently, ray tracing is limited to 1080p in all cases, even up for through a three series card, meaning that the performance, because there's no DLSS in Elden Ring, which is a travesty, but um, right now, um, you can activate it. They recommend bumping the settings down for you to get a decent frame rate. I'm going to wait another patch before I try it. Or maybe I'll try it out with my 4090 and see if I can get it past 1080p. I mean, if it, if anything's going to be able to uh, push through through the 
the non-optimization for 4K with ray tracing. It's going to be that card. Yeah, the uh, minimum system requirements for ray tracing is a 3060 Ti. Recommended graphic setting, 1080p, low quality, low ray tracing. Recommended is a 3070 Ti or Radeon RX 6900 XT. Recommended graphic settings, 1080p, high quality, high ray tracing. (laughs) 1080p on a 3070 Ti. Wow. Um, But yeah. That's the thing. At some point, Jason, I'm gonna have you try, you know, the greatest the greatest game ever made. Um I, mean, I, won't, I won't back down from that. I'm not I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna back down I, from that. That is that game is phenomenal. It it I was had, so good that me and Rusty struggled with playing other games for several months after that. I it took me till December to finish Horizon because Elden Ring was so good. Yeah, really, I've just been waiting for it to go on sale for more than 15% off, which yeah. it really hasn't yet. Um, something else is super random, and I am part of this. So as part of my refund that I got from Steam for that shitty game, I put it towards a copy of Dwarf Fortress. Um, it's now sold 600,000 copies on Steam. It was only 10% off on the on the spring sale but for me that was 15 bucks i spent a total of 50 bucks on the spring sale just fyi i didn't spend a lot um but yeah it's uh generated over 7.2 million dollars on a game that used to be free and browser-based and text-based essentially is essentially ascir it's the same team that did it they just added a graph a gui over the top of it and added a little bit of animation um there right. are I never really played a lot of Dwarf Fortress. To my knowledge, it's the inspiration for Rim, RimWorld. And so far, it seems easier than RimWorld. I didn't really review it because all I did was get through basically understanding the tutorial and how all those elements played together um, before I started playing Diablo. I literally was playing that while I was waiting on. I forgot that, you know, the open beta for everybody, even people who hadn't pre-purchased it, was Friday so I started playing Dairy Fortress, and then I got a notification in my email from Blizzard saying, hey, you can play the open beta without purchasing the game. I was like, yeah, I want to talk about that on tomorrow's show. <laughs> I'm downloading it right away. But uh, it's for fans of RimWorld. I'm just going to say that. If you like RimWorld, this is the granddaddy to it. Um, there is a pretty decent tutorial that tells you how the systems work. Um, it seemed way more intuitive than I thought it was going to be like, not to the point where I feel like I have to watch YouTube videos to get started with any game like this. Again, I think experience, if you don't mind losing a game, which I don't right? to me, failure is the greatest teacher and the experience up to the point of failure is good. Then that's fine. Um, seems cool. I'll, I'll let you guys know when I get some time to really chew into it. I think if you want to know more, Boston of TVGP has, he's been on Dwarf Fortress a lot. If he's not on Destiny, he's on Dwarf Fortress. I'd listen to that podcast to hear more about Dwarf Fortress. That dude probably knows himself from Dwarf Fortress at this point. But uh, yeah, that's the thing. Selling like hotcakes. (laughs) One of the best selling games to come out in months is an old remake. Everything's an old remake nowadays. Uh, That's true. It. Unfortunately, game development has turned the way of Hollywood and everything's a remake. Yeah. 
Other than that, um, I don't. There's a, some other little bit of news, but I think we've gotten out what we want to for today. Do you have anything else to talk about? No, not really. Well, let's close this show out then. All right, guys. Well, find us at tiltcast.com. Find us on Facebook and twitter.com slash tiltcast. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash the real tiltcast and search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find some friends of the show you got for the love of gaming. You've got nocorders.net, picking up the pixels or a pupcast, bmfcast.com, and tvgp.tv. They know Dwarf Fortress. And with that, it's the end of the show. Peace. 